summer is definitely here. And just like the produce that changes in the shops with the seasons, so does the produce available for us in the hedgerows and woodlands. Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 60 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today's episode is all about summer foraging. As the seasons change, so changes the availability of produce growing out there in the wild and summer is a fantastic time to take advantage of this. There's all sorts around at the minute. We're starting to see quite a lot of soft fruit and it's a bumper year for cherries at least here in the UK it seems and the first of the summer mushrooms are showing themselves after the rain we've had recently and there's also lots and lots of greens and herbs and flowers that are available right now and it's a really exciting time this change in the season is just a a really exciting time to get out there and see what's around your local area and you really are going to be spoilt for choice. We're going to run through all sorts of things today. We're going to run through some edible trees, some edible herbs, some edible flowers and some edible mushrooms that are all available for you to go out and find right now. So it's something that is very dear to my heart. It's something I absolutely love doing. It's a great activity to do with your kids. So we're going to start by talking about fruit. So the soft fruit season really does start right now and there's lots and lots we're seeing available already. There's, I've seen the odd blackberry, the the king blackberry it's called, the, the big one at the tip of the bunch that are just starting to ripen. We're not in blackberry season yet, not for a couple of months still, but there's the odd one out there, which is worth a nibble while you're uh, looking for other things. But some other things are really coming out right now. It seems like it's a absolute bumper year for cherries. We've got a cherry tree in the garden, which is producing for its first year. And we've had a few off of that, but I've actually seen lots and lots of cherry trees that are laden with fruit in the wild. So when we're talking about cherry trees, the difficulty is harvesting because they are extremely popular with our feathered friends. And ideally, the best time to harvest them is about five minutes after the birds have already done so. So it can be quite tricky, but it's certainly worth finding what you can see and then checking on that tree regularly. And when you've got the cherries just looking like they're ready to go, you are going to be in luck if you get there before the birds do. The only downside with cherries is they don't really ripen off of the tree. So there's no point in picking them to ripen at home. So it does require a little bit of luck 
when it comes to cherries because of the the nature of the the way they're eaten by the animals so just bear that in mind there's also lots of strawberries around there's lots of wild strawberries there's several varieties of wild strawberries and none of them are poisonous but some of them are basically flavorless but some of them absolutely pack a punch and have a fantastic strawberry flavor really strong it's almost like they have the same amount of flavor in one of the large strawberries that you buy in the supermarket packed into those tiny little wild strawberry fruits that you can find there's also lots of currants of all varieties really starting to ripen up now that can just be found in hedgerows along with raspberries bilberries cherry plums and not just yet but soon we're going to be seeing things like sloes and buckthorn berries if you're near the coast so it's definitely worth keeping your eyes open one of the things about foraging is we tend to forage the same kind of areas near where we live all year round so you get a feel for what's going to be ready when and and our spring foraging should really have primed us for starting to recognize some of these berry plants so that when the summer rolls around we know where we're going rowans are also showing fruit now they're definitely out there so that's just another one of the plants that's got its berries ready for us to go and harvest right now one of the things to bear in mind whenever we're doing wild foraging of fruit plants generally speaking what we're looking at is the ancestors of the cultivated varieties that we now grow in our gardens and that we see in garden centers so when we're foraging for things like rowans or bilberries or wild strawberries these are the same plants that have been cultivated into what we now find in our gardens so it's the same kind of plant that you're looking for in the wild just a slightly different variety of it so that's going to help you know what you're looking for that's all the fruit that's available now it's not quite the sort of center of fruit season yet but these early fruits are definitely worth looking out for a lot of them, again, it comes back to what I was just saying about how they're the ancestors of the plants that we are now used to eating. So a lot of them will be that little bit sharper than the usual fruits that you might find in your fruit bowl. But that doesn't mean that we should shun them. They still are fantastic for doing things like making puddings, you know, by sweetening them with a bit of sugar. Even some of the sour cherries, they're still absolutely amazing flavors to put with some sugar and then use them that way within a pudding even though you might not really enjoy eating them straight off the tree like you would with a sweet cherry the same goes for things like rowans and particularly buckthorn berries they're amazing flavors that we can use in other things even if they might not be something that you're going to want to nibble on on their own they can make fantastic jams and chutneys and even vinegars much like we would make apple cider vinegar we can make vinegars out of all of these different fruits they're also great for making fruit leather again when you're making fruit leather one of the things that you're doing is you're adding some sugar to a fruit that might otherwise be a little bit too bitter or sour but it's a great way of using what's available and what's out there 
right now. So that's about all for the fruits. Next up, we're going to talk about some edible trees and herbs. It's really easy for you to get in touch with us. You can do it either by sending an email to selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com or by using the link in the show notes to send us a voice message. You can send us a voice message just using your phone. You could also reach out to us on Facebook where we have the Self Sufficient Hub group and the Self Sufficient Hub page. We're always thrilled to get your feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics on the show. So let's talk about trees. So the linden tree, which is a really common tree, and it's very, very widespread in urban areas. And it's got flowers that have been used for a long, long time for all kinds of ailments, including digestive problems and insomnia. It's said to be a calming herb. So it's the young leaves that you can use, which are perfect to mix into a salad. You can also dry the fruit and use that to bake into cakes and breads and things like that. And its flowers are used to make a sort of tea. So you just steep the flowers in your hot water and make some linden tea. And that's traditionally what would have been used as a treatment for insomnia and just generally a calming tea. They're quite easy to identify. The leaves are heart-shaped and quite often asymmetrical, but the flowers have a beautiful, delicate scent. And once you get used to seeing them, you'll be able to recognize them very, very easily. They're also quite easy to harvest because the flowers tend to hang quite low to the ground. So they're yellow and white, and they hang from thin stalks and they have five petals. Next up is the elder, and the elder tree really is the forager's friend. It's one that every forager should know, because I'm sure I've mentioned before on the podcast, it gives us three different ways of harvesting it. Now, the actual tree itself is toxic, and every single part of the tree is toxic when it's raw, so it's worth bearing that in mind. But in the spring and early summer we get elderflowers now depending on where you are the elderflower season is probably over but it could just be the tail end of it wherever you are and any flowers that you don't harvest will now start to become elderberries and elderberries again are an amazing fruit that we can use to bake into cakes or make jams with and We can also dry them for use in the winter. But the other reason why the elder tree is such a great tree for the forager and one that every forager should know is that all year round, it also gives us the wood ear or cloud ear mushroom, which will be growing almost everywhere you find elder on the broken branches that lie around the foot of the tree. So the elder tree is just one that every forager should know. Another tree that is available for harvesting right now is the lime tree. Now 
The lime tree is another very, very common tree, and it's the young leaves that you want to harvest. Quite often, you'll be able to harvest from suckers around the base, and that is a leaf that's suitable just to go straight into salads. Next up is the ash tree. Now, the ash tree is one of the most common trees in the UK, and it grows everywhere there's temperate climates and the ash keys are what we would be harvesting from this tree which is the the seeds they are hang down in quite large clusters and they can be really quite extensive sometimes with hundreds and hundreds of ash keys on them what's important when you're harvesting them is that we take the young immature seeds the very very young ones and they're edible before they go fibrous. So you can tell if it's young enough by snapping it in half. And if it snaps nicely, then it's going to be young enough because it gets quite fibrous as it gets older. And you'll get that when you snap it and you'll see that it's got those fibers running through it. Now, once you've picked your seeds, what you would do is you'd boil them because they're quite bitter. But once they've been boiled for a period of time, that tends to reduce the bitterness in them and then you can do all sorts of things like pickling them so pickled ash keys is actually quite a treat and you can flavor that pickle with all sorts of sugar or spices or whatever it is that you like moving away from trees now we've got some other climbing plants and the first of which is going to be roses now all rose petals are edible they make an amazing addition to salads because not only do they have that lovely floral flavor but they also add an amazing visual effect to your salads last in this section is honeysuckle now honeysuckle grows all over the place it's really quite easy to find in lots of wooded areas and you only need a few flowers to really make a difference to a dish they can be used in all sorts of ways you can use them simply infused in water to make either a tea or a cordial type drink they can also be used to make syrups and jellies and jams and also just added as they are to dishes so don't eat the berries because they can be slightly toxic but the flowers themselves are really quite distinctive and it's very difficult to mistake them for anyone else they tend to grow around the edges of woodland where there's a bit more sunlight and they really are quite easy to spot and once you've found a plant that's going to be able to give you more than enough than you're going to need so they are quite a generous plant once you find them find self-sufficient hub content elsewhere online in lots of other places we have a youtube channel we also have our website and now there's our facebook page and facebook group links to all of these you can find in the show notes come check us out next up is herbs and there is an amazing variety available this time of year it really is peak herb season for foraging the first one we're going to talk about is pineapple weed now another name for it is wild chamomile and if you are 
familiar with the plant chamomile, then you're looking for something very, very similar. And it's this time of year just starting to flower. And the flowers look like mini versions of oxeye daisies. It gets its name because the flowers themselves, if you crush them between your fingers, they smell quite distinctly of pineapple. So it's a really easy one to identify. I personally love just eating the flowers, just nibbling on them as I go round. But the flowers are a great addition to salads, but also you can use them and the leaves to make a tea, just like chamomile tea. The leaves as well can be used in salads and they're really just nice to munch on as you're wandering around. One of my favorite things about pineapple weed is where it grows. It just tends to grow where you're walking. It will grow in some of the harshest environments when you think about the ground. It will grow almost on stony paths and tracks and through cracks in tarmac and on roadsides. So it's really prevalent almost everywhere you're going to be walking, but also it's quite easy to spot because of these little daisy-like flowers. That's one of the reasons that it's one of my favorite plants to be foraging for at this time of year. Another one, and it's another common one, is lemon balm. So if you're familiar with mints, if you grow any mints in your garden, then what you're looking for is something that looks very similar to your regular mint plants, but they sm it smells very much like lemon. So you can just do your usual test that you would do for any mint is just pick a leaf and snap it and give it a sniff. And it's got a lovely lemony flavor or lemony smell rather, but it also has a lemony flavor. So you can use them much the same as you would with a mint plant, but obviously with that different flavor, you can add them to salads and pestos and things like that. One of my favorite ways to use it is to chop it up very, very fine and mix it with a mayonnaise. And then I use that to make um, like a Mediterranean style pita bread with a lovely salad filling. And I would probably have some meat in there as well. And then I use this lemony mayonnaise as a topping and it's just fantastic. Borage is another great herb that's out now and it's got really, really distinctive flowers. They really are quite striking and beautiful. Once you do a quick search online for borage flowers, you'll see what I mean. And that's going to make it really easy for you to identify them. So one of the things I love to use the flowers for is I actually freeze them in ice cubes because they just make a really great addition to a summer drink especially if you've got guests, they look quite stunning when you use these ice cubes. Obviously, we're not having guests at the moment, but, you know, that day will come. And once they're in the ice cube in the freezer, then, you know, they'll keep for a long, long time. They, you, again, it's another one you tend to find in all sorts of places around gardens and allotments and on paths. It's quite a common plant, so you shouldn't struggle to find one. You can also use the leaves in salads and the flowers of course in salads and you can also steam them or wilt them much like you would a spinach so they're a really versatile plant as well next up is red clover we're all familiar with clover plants and there are two common varieties with regards to the flowers you get the white flowers and the red flowers so the red clover plants are actually quite sweet and delicious when you get them when they're quite young 
I personally don't tend to pick a great deal of clover because I like to leave it for the bees. But when you have an abundance of it, and as there is quite a lot around at the moment, then, you know, feel free to pick some and try them yourself. And you may well find that you love them. Another plant that is quite prevalent and available in the wild is oregano. Oregano grows naturally in all sorts of grassland and woodland edges and hedges and if you are familiar with growing oregano then you already know what it looks like it's the wild version is one that you can pick and use just like the shop-bought version there really is very little difference the last one i wanted to mention is ground elder now ground elder is a completely different plant to the elder tree but it gets its name because the leaves have a similar shape so it's quite important that you don't confuse the two because as i've already mentioned the elder tree is toxic but ground elder is not and it can be eaten just like a salad so it's not native to the uk but it was introduced as a herb as a pot herb most likely by the romans and it has really taken hold if you've got it in your garden a lot of people consider it to be very invasive and an invasive pest so you don't have to be shy about harvesting it but it's actually quite a delicious herb slash salad plant so it's very versatile and you can use the young leaves and shoots raw in a salad or in sandwiches and you could also cook them just like you would cook spinach with the larger leaves You can now support the show directly. Just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. You can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. I've saved the best till last, or at least for me, I've saved the best till last, because a lot of the stuff that we get when we're foraging is leafy greens and things that don't really add a lot of calories to our diet. They're things that we tend to forage for, for the joy of foraging, to add a little flavour to a meal, but they don't necessarily produce a meal in and of themselves. But now we're in the section that actually can, and that is fungi mushrooms and I'm going to also mention in this section although it's completely unrelated to fungus but also nuts because these are the two things that when you're foraging they can really make a substantial amount of food from them so fungi first this year is going to be a really good year for mushrooms I think if the last few days are anything to go by already we're seeing things like chanterelles come up and it's very early for chanterelles, but I've seen some come up. We've also got field mushrooms out already and fairy ring champignons. It has been a bumper year for two of the easiest to identify bracket fungus, which are also hugely bountiful when you find them. And those are chicken of the woods and dryads saddle. So chicken of the woods and dryads saddle, they both grow on trees 
on damaged trees or dead trees. They're super easy to identify and when you find them they grow in quite large numbers. I have a video, a recent video on our YouTube channel of how to identify Dryad's saddle and as I come across the others this year I'll be posting videos on those as well. We are probably two or three months away from what people would consider to be peak mushroom season but when peak mushroom season starts a lot of the mushrooms that are available now will have gone so make the most of every mushroom season don't just wait till the autumn there's a, a tremendous amount of mushrooms available right now so like I say the, the two that grow on wood that I've mentioned chicken of the woods and dryad saddle I know it has been an incredible year so far there's a tremendous amount of those about so go out and try and find some chanterelles are just coming out now and those are the yellow flute like mushrooms they're one of the more readily known mushrooms to foragers they're certainly highly prized and sought after and that's a woodland mushroom there are also fairy ring champignons which are a much smaller mushroom than the ones that grow on trees that i mentioned and they tend to grow in fairy rings in grassland and then you have field mushrooms and horse mushrooms which both also grow in grassland and can grow to quite a size as well when you find those nuts although summer isn't typically thought of as a time to harvest nuts you can actually harvest green nuts so hazelnuts when they're still a little bit green you can use them to pickle and you can do the same with green walnuts pickled walnuts are from the very very early stages of the nut setting its fruit so you don't wait for it to develop that hard outer shell that you crack with a nutcracker at christmas you pickle them in their shells when they're much much smaller so find a recipe online for those but they're certainly something to think about there's a tremendous amount out there there's there's too much for me to run through in a single episode if you're interested in foraging do find a local person to you that gives foraging courses support local you know support someone who does this for a living and knows what they're talking about and can spend the time with you because as much as I have learnt from the internet and books and studying there's no substitute really for going out with someone who really knows what they're talking about and spending the time in the environment with someone like that is just an invaluable resource so make sure you you do do that and carry on doing your own research but just make sure that you are integrating these ideas into what you're doing at home because we all spend time even even if it's just in our gardens we spend time around the outskirts of our gardens where there are things growing that we perhaps don't recognize and I know for a fact that I've pulled lots and lots of edible plants thinking they're weeds and thrown them away in the past and I'm sure that most people have done the same so just connecting with the wild environment not just the cultivated one can really add not only to our larder and what we're bringing home to eat but also to our knowledge in general and 
I'm a huge advocate of just building our knowledge by learning new things and building our skills and layering them on top of each other. And foraging, I think, can make a really big difference to how we manage our plants in our garden when we have an understanding of how things are growing in the wild. So that brings today's episode to a close and I will look forward to speaking to you on Friday. If you find this podcast valuable, there's several ways you can support it. The easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon. Thank you.